gospel this morning. Luke, Luke's gospel. Luke, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke's gospel. Luke was, a, was the only Gentile to write any of, the, any of the books of the Bible. Father, we pray that you open our ears and hearts to your word this morning. Speak to us and help us to understand, we pray. And we pray, God, that all the glory, all the honor will be given to you. We thank you that we do have your word that we can lean on in these last days because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. How shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word? Thank you for your word this morning. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke was the only Gentile that wrote the books of the Bible. Very little is known by Luke. Very little is known about him. Uh, he almost he never includes himself, and nothing definite is really known of his conversion. We also know that Luke wrote the book of Acts. We know that uh, Luke was a companion of Paul and traveled with Paul in many of his missionary journeys. You know, uh, Paul called Luke the beloved physician. Colossians four fourteen. Uh, Paul called Luke the beloved physician. Luke was a, a doctor and therefore a man of, of science. He was a man of research. And this is reflected in his book, in the history and the life of Jesus. Luke wrote primarily for, uh, for the Greeks and presented Jesus Christ as a compassionate son of man who came to seek and save that who was lost. And Jesus was not deferred from his mission. The saving sinners was his whole mission. But six of our Lord's miracles and 19 par parables are found only in Luke. Six of our Lord's miracles and 19 parables are only found in, in Luke's gospel. Luke, Luke gives us the most detailed account of our Lord's birth. No surprise because he's a physician. So he's coming at the gospel in a different way. Luke, a physician who traveled with Paul, it was the only one that remained uh, with Paul in his second imprisonment. Right up to Paul's martyrdom, right up to Paul's death, Luke was with him. Everybody else had abandoned him. Second Timothy chapter four, verses nine through 11. Paul is about to face his death and all of his friends had left him. Uh, verse 9, it says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demaeus has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, Cretans and Galatia, Titus to Demetia. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. He says, Greet Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me in the ministry. So Luke stood by Paul through thick and thin. How many people got friends like that that can stick by you through thick and thin? You don't know who your friends are till you're down and out, right? I mean, when things are going good, everybody was telling Paul how great he was. But when it came to Paul's death, only one person stood with him. That was Luke. Everybody else left him. But the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome and leads us to the 
conclusion that book that, that really Luke wrote this book in AD 60 and 62. While John's gospel highlights the divinity of Jesus Christ, Luke emphasizes the humanity of Jesus Christ. Uh, he refers to Christ as the son of man 25 times in this book, more than any other gospel writer. The perfect human being, the perfect God man, the perfect savior. Each gospel is unique. There are four gospels written in different, four gospels written in different styles to different audiences from different points of view with different emphasis on a certain aspect of Jesus' life and ministry. Now, Luke is the longest of the four Gospels and presents Jesus as the Savior of the world. It, it, it highlights the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it pays particular attention to women, children, the poor, and the oppressed. Matthew, Matthew was a Jew wrote primarily to Jews, presenting Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. Mark presents Jesus Christ as a suffering servant. Mark wrote to the Romans. John presents Jesus as the son of God. But Luke, a Greek, writes primarily to Greeks, presents Jesus as a son of man. The son of man. The God-man. He can relate to man. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was lost. If any, if ever man wrote a book filled with good news for everybody, it's Luke. This book is going to, it's going to bless you. It's going to have some good things and it's going to speak personally to you. His key message is for the son of man to seek and to save that which was lost. He presents Jesus Christ as a compassionate son of man who came to live among sinners. Jesus came to love them. He came to help them, and he came to die for them. Dr. Luke is named three times in the New Testament. As we said in Colossians, I mean, Colossians 4, 14, 2 Timothy 4, 11, also Philemon talks about Dr. Luke. But he traveled with Paul and you know, when you travel with Paul, you got to learn a lot of things, probably. probably he was a Gentile. He was a trained physician. And he goes into detail about the birth of Christ, as we'll see next week. But no wonder he emphasizes Christ's sympathy for hurting people. He wrote with the mind of a careful historian and with the heart of a loving physician. The Gospel of Luke was written for Theophilus. You will find about him, Acts chapter 1, Theophilus, means the love of God. Uh, the Gospel of Luke was written for Theophilus, the love of God, probably a Roman official who had trusted Christ and now needed uh, to be established. He needed to be established in the faith because he was new, a new believer. It is also possible that Theophilus was a seeker after the truth who was being taught uh, other messages. He, Paul came, uh, Luke came to set some things in order that, that was misunderstood because the word is always sometimes uh, misunderstood. So he's writing to this Theophilus. He's going to teach him, the, 
going to teach him the basics of Christianity. The life and the message of Christ was so important that many books has already been written about him, but not everything in them could be trusted. There was a lot of books even today as written about Christ, but you can't believe everything you read in the book. Luke wrote his gospel so that his readers might have an accurate and orderly narrative of the life of Christ, the, li the life of Christ and his ministry and his message. And Luke interviewed eyewitnesses and listened to those who had ministered the word of God. It was indeed a dark day for the nation Israel as it is now. The people heard no poetic word from God for 400 years. And John the Baptist comes on the scene. Can you imagine? Because of Israel's sin, fell, fell away from Christ, God didn't speak for 400 years since Malachi, since Malachi and had promised the coming of Elijah in the spirit of Elijah. The spiritual leaders were shackled by tradition. Uh, in some instances, corruption. They were captured by corruption. Herod the Great was a tyrant. He, he had ten wives. And one of the wives he had executed for no apparent reason. But no matter how dark the day, God, God always has his devoted people that's going to stick with him, no matter how dark it gets. And that's the word for you today. No matter how dark it gets in the world, you're going to still walk with Christ. No matter what other people do, no matter how, how dark it gets, we still walk with him. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. And as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of the things which have been filled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministered of the word of God delivered to us. It seems good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account. Most excellent Theophilus. Most excellent he calls him because he believed to be a Roman official who was a believer which he knew only a partial of the truth. Um, he said, Luke said he came to set in order, in an orderly account of some things were floating around. Luke said, I came to set some things into order. Luke was not an eyewitness. He was taught by uh, Paul and the other apostles who witnessed the life of Christ. And they were handed down to Luke, and Luke is writing to this new guy, Theophilus, to set things in order. Because Theophilus has heard some things that wasn't necessarily true, and Luke is going to set that straight. Now, when you hear things that's not necessarily true, uh, we have to set things straight, don't we? Because people say things sometimes that's not in the Bible at all. So we have to say, hey... Uh, you know, I don't know where you got that, but all due respect, that's not in the Bible. You, have to, you know, you have to be loving about it, but, uh, you, know, you know, you hear people say all the time, there's many ways to God, and you hear people say all the time that as long as you believe in something, you'll make it. Well, that's not in the Bible. People say that. 
So when you hear things like that, you have to kind of set people straight because people don't know. But anyway, um, verse five, the birth of Zacharias. That was in those days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Zachariah means God remembers. God remembers. God remembers all of you. God knows what you're going through. God knows all about you, your kids, your family. Zachariah means God remembers. So that in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah, his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. It doesn't mean that they were sinless, but they was irreproachable. Uh, they, they kept to God's word. They kept to God's commandments. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. You know, when a woman was barren back in those days, it was she was looked down upon. It was a disfavor. It was a disgrace for a woman not to have children. So he said in verse seven, Elizabeth had no, she was barren and they were both advanced in years. So humanly speaking, it was impossible uh, for them to have children. Zachariah and Elizabeth, it was impossible, just like it was with Sarah and Abraham. It was impossible. Well, God works in the impossible. God works in the impossible. Just, just, just because it's hard for you, it doesn't mean that it's hard for him. Because the Bible said nothing is too hard for him. So in verse 8, so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. So at the hour of incense, it was, it was a one-time opportunity. They said a lot fell on him. You know, you had 20,000 priests there, and most of the time, you wouldn't get an opportunity like this uh, to serve in the temple. Sometimes that opportunity never came to anyone. But it did to him in, in his in his you would they would go into the temple three o'clock in the morning to nine and they would minister to the Lord. And the people was out there waiting for him to come out. And he, he the Bible say. Uh, he was he hesitated. They waited outside. You know, for the blessing, he would come out, he would bless the people. That was the duties of a priest. And they stood outside and they waited for a blessing because he stayed in there longer than they thought. Some people say that when the priest went in there, you had to tie ropes around his legs uh, to drag him out because you couldn't go in there to get him. If you went in there, you would die also. So he goes in there to minister to the Lord, to serve, to do his, his, his duties, to hold Multitudes, they're waiting outside for him to come out and come out. And he said, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
Standing on the right side means favor. You know, we are on the right side of God, too, because it means that's the favor of God. When you see that smiles on the right side of God, that means that you have found favor with him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, on the right side of the altar of incense. Well, as a matter of fact, the angel here is, in this book is mentioned 23 times. Uh, but only two, uh, two angels in the Bible are really mentioned. You got Michael mentioned, you got Gabriel mentioned, but there's trillions of angels, trillions. They, the Bible says you can't even count them, there's so many of them. But everyone that saw an angel was always afraid. You notice that? He said in verse 12, and when Zechariah saw the angel, he was troubled and fell on his, and, and fell upon and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer has been heard. They had been praying for a son, and it took a long time. But he said, Your prayer has been heard. Have you been praying for something for a long time and your prayer haven't been heard yet? Well, you keep praying, don't you? They have been praying for a long time. And the angel said, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Okay, we know you're praying for a son. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will, be, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, which means God is gracious. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He was a Nazarite. Numbers chapter 6 talks about the Nazarite vow where you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't drink any alcoholic beverages at all. He said he shall drink neither wine. He should also be filled with the spirit. He will be controlled by the spirit even from his mother's womb. He was controlled, filled with the spirit for service. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of Elijah. In the spirit and the power of Elijah. You know, he had the same spirit. He was not Elijah, but he came in the spirit of Elijah. To turn their hearts to the father their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he comes in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah also preached to repentance. Elijah also told it the way it was. John the Baptist had the same spirit as Elijah. I hope you got the same spirit as John the Baptist and as Elijah, because you're going to tell it like it is. Yeah. Well, anyway, Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in age. Don't, well, God knew how old he was, and God knew he was well advanced in age. He's not telling God anything that God doesn't know. God knew how old he was. But, he prayed and asked God for, you know, for a sign. He didn't really believe that God would answer his prayer, but he says, hey, I'm advancing years, man. There's no way. And the angel said, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. This is the same angel that was in Daniel chapter 8, verse 6. Same angel, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you 
these glad tidings. You would think that the presence of an angel would encourage Zachariah's faith, but it did. It was unbelief in his heart. He, he, was, he was thinking, there's no way, man, this is going to happen. He said, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things shall take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in your own time. God does everything in his own time, doesn't he? He said, you're going to be, you're going to be mute. And he's in verse 62, say you can also be deaf. He was mute and deaf because of unbelief. He said, you want to see a sign? I'll tell you what, you're not going to be able to speak or hear. That's, that's going to be a sign for you until I say so. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. You know, he, the custom was for the priest to come out and, like I said, the people had been, uh, had been struck. They had been waiting for him to come out from the temple. As soon as, as he finished praying to assure the people that he had been uh, People didn't know what had happened to him. They thought he was dead. They kept waiting. And he came out to the crowd. It was, the crowd was getting nervous. But he was supposed to come out and, you know, give him a blessing. But he said that people waited for Zechariah to come out. But he lingered in the temple. And it said that, but when he came out, he could not speak to them. For, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So he couldn't speak. He just beckoned, you know, to them because he, he remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of, of service were complete, uh, service for one week, that he departed from his own house. Each family of the priesthood officiated one week's of service. So as soon as his service was over, he departed to his own house. Verse 24, now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months. Some say that she didn't want to be ridiculed. Who knows? You know, if you tell a, if a woman become pregnant and, and she tells someone, well, hey, you know, this was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Who do you think is going to believe her? I mean, probably a lot of people didn't. But it says she she hid herself five months. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Again, it was a disgrace. It was a reproach for a woman to have, not to have children. It was a shame to not be able to bear children. In verse 26, down the sixth hour, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. A betrothal, to be betrothed was just like an engagement. It was like a marriage engagement. So it was very serious. So she was betrothed, and in heaven, in verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, favorite one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Not above women. You see that? He said, verse 28, Rejoice, Mary. The Lord's favor, he's with you, man. Rejoice, you've been favored. The Lord is with you. He's a, he says, Blessed are you among women. 
not above women. Mary was never meant to put, be put on a pedestal. Never. Amen. Never was. She, um, I was reminded of John uh, chapter 2 when Jesus turned the water to wine and they ran out of wine and, and they went and got married. Jesus said, I mean, Mary told them to do what he said. Do what he tells you to do. They went and got married. Mary said, hey, you know, do what he tells you. One time the crowd brought his brothers, you know, they brought people around to look at Jesus and People said, look, your mothers and your brothers are out here to standing outside to speak with you. But Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who is my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. That means that she wasn't superior. She was equal to everybody else. Uh, she, she was highly favored, yes. She was a godly woman, yes. God used her, yes, but she was never above anybody else, above any other women. All believers are equal in God's eyesight. All of them are. So he said in verse 28, and having come in the angels and rejoice, favorite one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She was probably a uh, teenager at the time, a Jewish girl. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which in the Hebrew, Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. You, can, you shall receive in your womb. You can, you're going to bring forth the son and you're going to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And we are in his kingdom. You, but you notice the emphasis is on the greatness of the son, not the greatness of the mother. Did you understand that? So, and Mary said to the angel, verse 34, how can this be since I don't know a man? You know, she, she, she's, some say she didn't doubt. Some say she just asked the method by which God would do it. Not like Zechariah. Zechariah was this dis, disbelief. He wanted a sign. Mary just said, well, how, how is this going to happen? She's questioning the method by which God would do it. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That's what he's going to be called. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is not a sixth hour or the sixth month. It was six, six months pregnant for her. Her who was called barren, she was barren also. For with God, nothing is impossible. Hmm. I read about that all the time. With God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I'm thinking, man, nothing. Imp it doesn't mean that 
He's going to do everything I want him to do. I wish he would. I wish I could just get my way all the time, don't you? And get whatever I say, he would do it. Yeah, with God, nothing is impossible. But if it's not his will, it's not going to be done. We got to trust him now more than ever. Although we don't understand, boy, we got to trust him now more than ever. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to, to me according to your words. And the angel departed from her. So now she's submitting to what God wants to do, although she didn't understand it. In verse 39, now, now Mary arose in the days and went into the hills with haste to a city of Judah. She, she's going to visit Elizabeth. And he entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, you know, is, a, is an extra power for service, to witness. It's the extra power. Be not drunk with wine, the Bible said, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if you've asked God to fill you with the Spirit of God. Ask him to fill you with his Spirit, to his power. So it happened, she, she, the baby leaped into her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the spirit. In verse 42, then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She's very honored. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should become to me? She, why, why did you choose me for this? What an honor. Why does God choose who he chooses? Don't know. We don't know why God chooses who he chooses. I mean, when you're, uh, he chooses who he, who he wills. Uh, but she submitted to it. Why did God choose us? He chose us for a reason. For indeed, for verse 44 says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in, in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. But there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So she's rejoicing that God would even use her. I'm rejoicing that God would even use me. Don't you sometimes rejoice that God would even choose us to be in his kingdom? God has chosen you to be in his kingdom. He's chosen you to be with him forever. All this is going to pass. Everything you see is going to vanish. Peter says it's going to burn. Everything got to be left behind, but God's got a place prepared for you and for me. It, the kingdom will be no end. There's no end to it. This is only temporary. Well, Mary, she's rejoicing. Now she sings a song in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary knew that she needs a Savior. She said, verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She said, she needed a savior, just like everybody else. My spirit would rejoice. She was not sinless, as some people say she was. She was not sinless. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has. So she was a great woman, holy, righteous woman, but not sinless. For he has regarded the lowly state of, she's singing this song now, and she's just praising God, you know, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generation 
will call me blessed. And she was blessed. Wonderful person. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from the from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house, waited for the birth of John, then she turned back to the house. And the birth of John, verse 57, the Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. They would with a Jewish re, uh, requirement on the eighth day, according to Genesis 17, 12, they were circumcised the child on the eighth day, on the eighth day. So they waited the eighth day to circumcise the child and they, and they called him by his name of his father. It was custom that you would, you would name your firstborn after the name of the father. But verse, verse 60 said, his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. Uh, 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 Elizabeth reiterated what Zechariah had been told in verse 13. She said the same thing he said. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. They looked at the family history. There was nobody called by that name. The family put pressure on him, on, on her to call him, you know, but she says, no, he's going to be called John. So they made signs to his father what he would have called him, indicated that Zechariah was deaf as well as, as mute, because they had to make signs. Otherwise, they would have just spoke to him, but he couldn't hear it, he couldn't speak, so they made signs. And they asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name's John, and they all marveled. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue loose, and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all, the th all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hills, country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, "What kind of child will this be?" And the hand of the Lord, and the hand of the Lord was with him. Boy, that's God chose who He chose. He would choose who He chooses. Then Zechariah's prophecy, verse 67, now if his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn. A horn means he was referring to Christ. A horn refers to power. It refers to strength. He has raised up salvation for us in the house of the servant David, and he has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which who has been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
to perform the mercy promised to the fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. You can read about the oath he swore to Abraham. He was going to bless the people, his people. Genesis twenty-two sixteen through 18, the oath he made to Abraham. To grant, to grant us that we be delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in the holiness and righteousness before him in all the days of our life. And you, and you child, will be called the prophet of the highest. Talking about John the Baptist. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. To give knowledge of salvation to the people by remission of their sins. John the Baptist told the way it was. He called people to repentance. He told people to repent of their sins. Though the tender mercy of God will, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, the day spring like the sunrise where the people were in darkness for so long, but God now brings peace. He brings light. He brings life to people. He said to give light to those who sit in darkness and a shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's what Jesus came to do, to give light to those who are in darkness and to guide their feet in the way of peace. Because, because people are separated. People are separated from God. And until we turn back, things will get progressively worse. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert to the day of his manifestation to Israel. Uh, John was in the desert in the wilderness like a prophet. He's going out in the desert in the wilderness for preparation, uh, for spiritual growth, for prayer, and listen for the, for the voice of God. And he prepared himself for service. So many times a prophet, when he was called, he would go out in the, into the desert where he could listen to the Lord. And that's what we should do, shouldn't we? You should find a quiet place somewhere in the desert or somewhere where you can listen to Christ and see how he's going to direct you and see how he's going to direct your life. There's going to be a lot of changes in these last days. God's going to do a lot of things different. God doesn't have to do the same thing over and over and over again. He's going to do the same, a lot of things different. And we have to be flexible, don't we? But when you spend God with, when you spend time with the Lord, you're able to uh, hear his voice and you're able to tell when he's going to change some things in your life, redirect your life. But sometimes our lives get so busy with things until we leave him out. And sometimes we go ahead of him and even we start making decisions without him and we make mistakes. But I encourage you today, man, uh, he is just as real now he, as he ever was. And he wants to spend time with you because he wants to use you and me and all of us in these last days to tell people about him. And that's why we are here. But when you spend time with him, you'll find out, too, that your faith will be stronger. You'll find out, too, that you, you won't be fearful. You'll find out, too, uh, that he's faithful and he's not going to let you down. You know that no matter what happens, you can trust him. Because so many things happen that we don't understand. 
Even right now, all over the world, it's a mess. We don't understand what people are doing, and we don't know. We don't know, but we know God's word is not going to change. We know that much, and that's why we stick to it all the time because we know the word of God is not going to. It's not going to change. Everything, everything around us will. Our society might probably will change, but the word is going to stay the same. Amen. So if you if you want really want peace. Because there's a lot of things out there that can take away your peace. I tell you that much. There's a lot of things can cause you to worry. I can tell you that. But if you, if he, John the Baptist, he went out in a desert place. He went out into a quiet place. And he sought the Lord and he prayed and he listened to the voice of God. And I tell you what, when you do that, God will fill you with himself and you will go out into this world fearless. You will go out into this world, will be, you will be light, you will be salt, and you will be able to encourage so many other people. Because that's where you're going to get your strength, is from him. And he's not going to leave us now. In these times, yeah, these are perilous times, but God is working out something. I'm, I'm still praying for revival. I'm praying that people will come to Christ. I'm, I'm praying that, uh, people, you know, that people will see there's no way out of this, all these problems. We got problems everywhere, all over the world. And people are getting fearful. And people are getting depressed. But if they would turn to Christ, he would take away that depression. He would take away that anxiety. And he will give you rest. Come unto me, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. So if you're watching this today and you have not received Jesus Christ, all you have to do is say, Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Take me to heaven. I repent of my sins. And I accept you in my heart right now. You know he has never refused anybody yet. Is there anyone here today that would like to receive Christ? Anyone here before we close? Would you like to receive Christ today? This would be a great day for you. If you do, if you haven't, do it today. Jesus said, don't put it off because tomorrow is not promised. But if you got Christ, no matter what happens, you know that he's with you, no matter what happens. So I pray that you would keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can come and we can hear from you. Lord, we just pray that you will use each one of us to speak your word to our friends, to our neighbors, to people who don't know you. We ask God that when we leave here today, we will be a voice for you. For we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We'll sing one more song and we can close.